I'm very visual. So I would draw on a piece of paper, like what are your core operations skill sets where you know you're really strong and then where are ones that you know that you want to improve and then go to the big companies that either improve on what's really strong or to round out areas of weakness. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our bi-weekly Adaptive Ops interview. Today, I'm joined by Lindsay Crittenden. She's the Senior Director of Strategy and Operations over at Headspace. Mm-hmm. Say hi, Lindsay. Hey. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here. You know, we've talked a decent amount in the past about ops. I've had you on for webinars in the past yeah. and always get good tidbits from you. <laughs> so wanted to invite you out and, and interview you again for our, our brand new podcast that we'll be launching in a few weeks here. So really excited. You're actually the first interview that we're doing for our podcast. So, well, thank you. And congratulations <laughs> on, you know, launching a podcast. It's, it's no small feat to decide to do it and then actually make it happen. So great work on that. Thank you. You know, it's a work in progress. We're excited about it. And part of it too, is that we sort of saw there's this, this niche that hasn't been filled in business operations for podcasts. Yeah. And so I'm kind of excited to, to fill it and see what the appetite's like, because I, I definitely yeah. think it's there. I mean, there's so many of us in so many different like parts and capacities and operations that I can imagine that there's a lot more content to discuss than we give, give the, the field credit for, that's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I see that appetite and the, that interest in the adaptive ops community as well. So, and some of them are on the call right now. So, really happy to have have you guys here. Hi, everyone. As I mentioned before, at this point in your career, you're the senior directory of strategy and ops at Headspace. So, let's kind of just like take a look back first. You've been in the ops game for about seven years now. So, how has it changed? <laughs> How has it changed over time? (laughs) Oh, man, I can't believe that I've been doing it for that long. When I first started working in operations, it was even more ill-defined than it is now. Seven years ago was one of those things where it was like, this is either a person who is systems and data, and they don't really have an opinion, and they don't necessarily talk about our business, and they don't talk a lot in meetings as one persona. The other end of the spectrum is... This is an operations title because we don't know what to do with you. And you're just going to have a bunch of stuff that's part of your remit, whether it's achievable or part of a plan or part of career growth, didn't really matter. It was kind of like this catch-all. I think what I've seen over the last seven years, and in, in large part, honestly, to initiatives like what you're doing in terms of building this community, but then also just, I think, a greater awareness in larger companies and smaller companies about what operations can mean and the importance of putting definition around it. And so I have seen you know, maturity along the lines of not just sales operations that handles random things, but actually calling it revenue operations and being really intentional about what part of the funnel, for instance, operations touches in a B2B organization. Or, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, companies such as Uber, I think really the general manager structure that they applied and innovated on when it came to marketplace businesses and general managers of geographic regions and just how strong you had to be operationally in order to get those roles, I think also really helped reshape and redefine the the places where operational minds could play inside of an organization. 
Okay. So we're seeing a more definition in the role. I think um, so. I like what you said about putting a definition around ops mm. and just being really intentional about actually creating these opportunities, yeah. which is totally in contracts with just dropping someone in a role because it's easy and saying you do ops and we're not even going to focus on your career growth. That's a recipe yeah. for disaster. It is. And I think probably something a lot of ops professionals listening in can identify with maybe early yeah. on in their careers as well. Mm-hmm. So let's sort of just talk about your experience leading into your time at Headspace. Um, yeah. Can you give us a little background on, on how you got there? Yeah. And I'll start here, not because, you know, reverse chronological order is always the best way to tell a story, but I started my career working in market research and consumer insights, which is, you know, a very niche sort of area of the world of like R&D and, you know, research and things like that. And I did that because I wanted to go to a place where I would learn a lot about how to use business data. And I wanted to go to a place that would really challenge me to think creatively every single day. And I mentioned that because there are even times today, you know, 15 years later, where the work that I was doing in a research and consulting capacity, both kind of the intellectual rigor and honesty you have to bring, in addition to the, okay, so what? Like, who cares if the data says X, what does that actually mean? Those are lessons that I learned really early in my career through through starting out in a consulting capacity. And so, you know, I really, when I think about kind of my operations journey, that foundation early in my career was really, really helpful and really meaningful because it really helped me understand how to ask the right questions. But I think if you talk to really like the best operations professionals in the world, that's actually the thing that they're really good at doing, which is just asking the right questions, remaining curious and, you know, delivering a piece of data is just the start. you know, the real work is like, what do you, what's the, so what associated with what you've just surfaced for the team. So, you know, that's really where it started. And then what I found is as I went, you know, I was in marketing and then got pulled into operations and I was in customer success and got pulled into operations and I was in sales and then got pulled into operations. And what I found is that It's a unique talent, I think, the operations folks bring to the table in that they're able to see, you know, the best ones at least can see the forest and the trees, can like really see the big picture and keep the big picture in mind while being able to get down into the details and really understand how to operate the machinery of the business that they're in. When I think about starting out in marketing and then moving into ops and starting out in CS and sales and other than move and constantly kind of moving back into a strategy and operations role is that, you know, what I found is that if you wanted to make a really big impact inside of an organization, just sitting in your little functional area wasn't the way to do that. Like really being cross-functional, really understanding the wheels of the business, really learning how to make an impact outside of your group is something that's really critical for every leader to be able to do. And and I think if you are really good at that, then operations ends up, you know, being part of your remit <laughs> formally or, or informally. 
I completely agree, especially on the cross-functional, you know, nature of ops and how it's, it's critical and how it's almost yeah. like if you think that way, then you're going to end up in ops in the long run. Yeah. <laughs> especially if you have that big picture perspective, because you want everything to be working properly. That's right. Yep. That's correct. Uh, yep, and that's that drive right. is what moves you into ops. You're like, it yep. needs to freaking work. Let's that's make right. it work. <laughs> which is what our community is full of, which is why I love yeah. the people here. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, these people and ops professionals and how they should be molding their career in a way that mm. that moves them in the right direction. So yeah. what skills do you think ops professionals should be honing in order to gain an advantage in their careers? Um, yeah. You know, what are companies looking for? I'm going to start a little abstract and then I promise I'll get very specific. But I really would encourage folks who are you know, in the beginning of their operations career, whether they had a previous career and they're switching or they're like literally starting out in the workplace and really trying to figure out the direction that they're going. I truly believe that there's a power in being a generalist. There's a lot of power in being a generalist. And one of the best ways to to get to a place where you are a credible generalist in a lot of different ways is to work in a number of different disciplines. And if that means you start out as a BDR and SDR, and then you move into sales operations, and then you move into marketing, and then you move into CS, I actually really think that for operations professionals to be truly good, they do need to have a very cross-functional and multidisciplinary background because you know, there are operations roles that are very systems heavy and systems integrations heavy and data integrity heavy. And I actually view those as a little bit different. Like that's a that's a very like hard nosed operations sort of focus and technical focus. But there's a lot of operations roles and a lot of operations impact that needs to come down to whether or not you're able to put yourself in the shoes of the people who you're trying to work with. Like have you actually had to sit down and run an ad campaign? <laughs> because if you haven't, then maybe you should figure out how to do that. And so I think that that starting out broad and getting into an environment in which you can learn the most and ask the most critical questions and work with the smartest people possible is, is mission number one. And then mission number two, I think, is really getting a meaningful flavor and taste of the different disciplines inside of businesses so that when it comes time for you to be the glue, you actually can be the glue with credibility um, rather than be the glue because you're willing to pull reports from Salesforce and other people aren't. It's like a wholesale different perspective on operations in general. But that's what I would really, really recommend. I am so fired up to hear you encourage people to be generalists. It's it makes so me so fun. happy <laughs> because it's almost frowned upon to be considered a generalist instead of a specialist, right? Mm-hmm. And people sort of look down on their nose at that. Or so yeah. people in that position of a generalist believe that people might be looking down their nose at them for yeah. that. And yeah. I think it's completely the opposite, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, getting in there, jumping, being cross-functional, jumping from department to department, like that's exciting and that's how you learn. It's also ultimately how you end up making, like putting your fingerprints on, on an organization is not just, you know, staying, staying still. And most operations folks who, who I meet, they want two things. One is they want the work to be done, right? We were joking about this earlier, but they also want to make an impact. You don't get into operations because you only care about one thing and you have like a very, 
you know, just like singular focus, you get into operations because you understand how everything works and you understand how to build the machine that will make the business run. And so being a generalist can, I don't want to make it sound like it's all, it makes your career easy. Being a generalist is actually harder because you're going to run into hiring managers who are like, oh, but I want someone who like has that exact specific skill set that only, you know, 5% of the population has, et cetera, et cetera. Like you might run into some of that. But what I would do is I would encourage folks to look at companies and look at organizations for who they are and what they're about and kind of have the caliber of people they'll be working with. And then, and then just get, get your butt in a seat and then kind of move through the organization and navigate from there in order to kind of get that cross-functional expertise. But people who have worked in lots of different lots of different groups and lots of different disciplines are a whole other level of like, you know, quadruple threat inside of an organization. I mean, it's just what they're able to do and move and get accomplished is cannot be understated. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. Part of, you know, why I think operations roles are a little unsung is, is because a lot of them are generalists and are focused on fixing the problems that are within the company. And so, yeah, yeah, it is sort of an unsung role within an organization. I talk about this a lot. So how can not just like adaptive ops, but all operations as a community of of people um, sort of advocate for that to change? Um, So, um, and I say this as someone who I'm, I'm not amazing at what I'm about to say, but I've worked on a lot and I've seen that it's helped, which is operations folks oftentimes are like, uh, I don't need to talk about me. Like, let's talk about whatever. I, you know, let's talk about the other group. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. But the reality of the situation is that just means that people inside of your organizations won't necessarily understand what you do. And sometimes that makes people feel safe in the moment. But I would really encourage operations professionals, like as a community, to talk about what you're doing in the company. Like I, for instance, one of the things we do at Headspace is I'm a really big believer in, you know, OKRs, of course, I'm sure most of us are some version of that. But, you know, really big believer in roadmaps as part of operations for lots of reasons. One of the things that that we do on my team is that it's like we do roadmap building sessions and listen, listening sessions, just like our product team does, just like our engineering team does. Like we go through and, you know, we report out on our progress for things that we're doing for ourselves, as well as things that we're doing for other groups. And just that like constant communication and drumbeat is, is going to be the thing I think that makes, that changes individual perspectives on what an operations person does. An operations person doesn't just sit in the back of the room and like answer tough questions from time to time, and then make sure that your Salesforce instance is up to date. Like, you know, an operations professional ideally is like a strategic guide and as a partner and helps you get through kind of the toughest moments in the work that you're trying to do. But they're not going to be that person and that partner to the business stakeholders if they're not talking about what they do and they're not talking about the value that they provide. And so you have to put on a little bit of like, 
I hate the term smoke show because it's like, that makes it sound inauthentic, but you have to actually talk about what you're doing. <laughs> like if you talk about it with the people who you're doing it with, you need to get up and present just like everyone else does. You need to actually show how your work is impacting core metrics. If you do that stuff, it clicks with people and then they start to understand the value you add. And I think that's what we have to just do as a community is be willing to talk about ourselves. And, and I don't think that's supernatural for us. We're not a bunch of marketers. <laughs> we're, right. we're operations folks. <laughs> exactly. And that's so true. When things are going on, you know, operations operates in the background. It's like yeah. a, you know, a layer below what's yeah. going on in the front lines with maybe marketing mm-hmm. or sales, but everything that operations is doing is impacting those departments and the success yeah. of the business. And yeah. it's not covered. Like I think in most all hands meetings weekly, like most people can agree, you don't have an ops section where they're mm-hmm. going deep on like what is being improved internally within the organization. And I think yeah. I would like to know that. Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I think most people would, and I think, you know, my thought is I've seen some management teams be like, Oh, oh well, but that's just talking about us or that's you know, that might be, you know, boring for folks. But I think actually most frontline, you know, individual contributors inside of organizations get energy from hearing about how leadership is thinking about improving their company. And they get energy by hearing like, oh, you guys see that that's a problem too. That thing totally makes me crazy. I didn't even know that you guys saw that. That that actually builds credibility. And it, if you think about your employees and the employee experience, they want to know that their management team cares as much about how the company is running as they do because they're impacted by if you are running like not well operationally, the people who feel that the most aside from your customers are your employees. They feel it more than anything else. And they see the problems and they want to raise their hand and they want to do something about it, but that's not their job. But if you have operations professionals inside of your company, it can be theirs. And then, you know, if you're putting in the work and you're figuring out how to run your company better operationally, that creates credibility with your employees. And and that's a really amazing virtuous cycle where they feel like, the company is investing in them, investing in making the work better, investing in making their work easier. And, and then the company gets to take credit for that. And it's interesting because if you just look at operations as like back office overhead, that's exactly what you're going to get. But if you're bringing operations into the core of how you're trying to run your business and use it as a strategic advantage, then it's a virtuous cycle. But you have to be willing to change your mindset around it. Absolutely. And I think... Everyone who is not operationally sound has been in the position where they bring an ops issue, you know, they bring an issue to an operations professional and they're able to solve it. And that is, I mean, I have never been more grateful to someone than an ops (laughs) person who fixed a problem that was driving me crazy. And so I think like that needs to be acknowledged more Mm -hmm. and understood and the relevance of it needs to be understood. Okay, so I'm going to open it up to questions now um, because we're we're running out of time here. So anyone feel free to put questions in the question section or the chat section, um, wherever you like. Lindsay is available and and ready to answer. We got a question here from Daniel. Um, Wants to know, what's your advice for someone running ops at a small company looking to move to a larger company? It's a great question, Danielle, and also happy to follow up one-on-one if you have some, you know, a specific scenario. But my thought is if you're running ops at a smaller company and you'd like to move to a larger company, you are going to find fewer sort of general ops, like throw everything in the kitchen sink at this person sort of role. They are becoming a little more specialized. So I would actually look for, 
you know, depending upon your seniority level, if you're at a very senior role, it's just going to take a while, but you can find like just an operations role at a larger company. It's just going to take you longer. It's as if it's just like VP of finance roles don't pop up all that often because they're fairly stable. VP of operations roles are also can be a little bit harder to come by. So it'll take time. If you are not quite at that level in your career, then what I would definitely urge you to do is to kind of very simply like write out or draw. I'm very visual. So I would draw on a piece of paper, like what are your core operations skill sets where you know you're really strong and then where are ones that you know that you want to improve and then go to the big companies either improve on what's really strong or to round out areas of weakness. So if you've not ever, if you've only been hardcore strategy or excuse me, hardcore systems operations, but you've not really done strategy, try and get into an ops and strategy role, maybe inside of a corp dev department. But you're going to have to kind of think through a little bit, like what are your building blocks and then go to a larger company that has a ops sort of role inside of a discipline. So that could be sales ops, that could be marketing ops, that could be corp strategy, that could be M&A integrations, things along those lines. And then I would try and get promoted like inside of that larger company, kind of put in the time to, to make that happen. Right. But Daniel, I don't know a ton about your specific situation. And I'm sure I could probably be more helpful if we were live one-on-one. Awesome. And we have a question here from Jennifer. Mm-hmm. She says, in operations, we tend, as you say, to be a catch-all, which can lead to burnout. How do you prevent overextending yourself when your skills are in high demand? <sighs> Jennifer, this is like a question speaking to my heart. This is one I've really struggled with myself. I'll, I'll be perfectly candid. This is where I think one of the things that I've done a number of times is, is work to get very definitionally clear about what's in remit for what I do and what my team does. What's not in remit? What is our mission? What are our values? What are the core things that we are personally accountable for? And then what are our roadmaps that we are socializing? So what's the sales enablement roadmap? What's the RevOps roadmap? What's the data roadmap? Things like that. Um, And make sure that that is over-communicated so that when someone is coming to you saying, oh, can you do this thing? Or, oh, there's this fire or whatever, you can appropriately say, remember when I said we were doing blah, 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 blah. With that context, I can get to what you're asking me to do in this time period. And if you're anything like me, the I'm sorry, it's going to have to wait feels really hard because you actually just want to help as many people as possible. And you'd like to scale yourself in a million different ways. But I've just found that if you have conviction in your roadmap and you have conviction in your remit, then it becomes a lot easier to be like, does this fit? Does this not fit? If this doesn't fit, then I'm not going to do it. If it does fit, but I can't do it right now, then that's how I'm going to communicate with my stakeholder. So, but I've really found that it has to be active, very active boundary drawing and very active evaluation and being really committed to your roadmaps in order to keep from just like being run straight into the ground. And I would love to say that Headspace is like solve that problem, but we have, (laughs) you know, we have uh, just like any like very fast growing scaling company. You know, we have the same operational debt that lots of companies have. And I've burned myself out more than a few times and I meditate for an hour every day. So it's a high impact job. There's no doubt about it. It can be really challenging in that way. Working at Headspace as an ops professional and getting into meditation, I'm sure is uh, every ops professional should have Headspace to be meditating. 
We're not even Headspace isn't even sponsoring this. I'm telling you, like I think it, I think it's key. Um, um, yeah, and yeah. and you know the roadmap thing and building your roadmap sort of puts more power in the hands of the ops professional, right? Because That's you're right. very clear about where you are, and mm-hmm. and then you have the power back, and you can say, "Here's what I have going on, and here's where you yeah. fit into that." It's one of the things, actually, I think I probably learned most clearly in my customer success career because it's like you're either reactive and you're a support organization or you're proactive and you're a revenue organization. And so you want to always, as an operations team, figure out how to move from reactive to proactive because that's when you move from dumping ground to partner. And it's different, but crossing that chasm is super important in terms of you know overall impact and, frankly, job satisfaction. Hundred percent. We have one more question here from Daniel. What's the biggest hiccup you've experienced in your career, ops career? How did, how did you overcome it? You don't have to be honest because it could be really bad. You know, maybe give your second best. Uh, let's see here. Biggest hiccup. My goodness, you may have honestly stumped me a little bit because I feel like it's just been one hiccup after the after the other. Um, you know, it's one of those things where. I guess I'll I'll take a slightly different spin on it, which is like ops professionals screw up just like anybody else. And so I've had hiccups from like, wow, we really thought that launching. Uh, so we've been doing like in our Salesforce instance where we're, we acquired a company called Ginger. We're merging with them right now. And, you know, if anyone has gone through what a merger looks like, it's it's pretty challenging. And so I can honestly say we have hiccups every single day related to everything from how we're defining metrics to what we think is a valuable use of a meeting to, you know, whose data mapping scheme are we going to use when we're, you know, taking two Salesforce instances and combining them into one. So I'm sorry, Daniel, I can't answer more specific with like some doozy of a story, but operations folks can move fast and break things too. And then you have to kind of be prepared to roll it back. But Excellent operations folks know that they're about to break something and they have a backup plan just in case. There you go. Yeah, because the impact and and then you're getting all these messages, right? When something breaks, like all of a sudden just a flood. So it's it's stressful. Again, meditation Uh in that case. Um, (laughs) Cool. Well, as always, it's always really awesome to talk to you. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. It's just great to connect with the community. So keep up the awesome work. Thank you. And before I let you go, for everyone who wants to find out more about you online or connect with you, where where should they go? You know, I'd actually recommend LinkedIn. I kind of abandoned Twitter in 2020. So I'm just Lindsay Shooty Crittenden on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message. Awesome. Lindsay's also on the Adaptive Ops community Slack. You can find her there as well. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And have a great rest of your day. Thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 